the path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful <laughs> spells. She's actually sitting me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's it be, y'all. Let's it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Welcome back to That Witch Life Podcast. I'm Courtney. I am your host today, and I am joined by Hillary. Hello. And Kanani. Hello. So I'm so tired, guys. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to stay focused. We're actually, we did things in reverse. We interviewed our guest this morning very early because she's in Ireland. Um, and now we're in, we're doing our intro and I just finished my, um, teaching my Hecate class it was really, really fun because I saw some of our listeners there. That was great. Yeah, yes. Awesome. So thank you all so much for coming out to that. That was really fun. Uh, there will be more classes. Don't worry. Um, but that's why my, my voice is shot and I didn't sleep last night. So <laughs> it's been a long day on top of insomnia. Um, but yeah, we have Orla Minxie Costello, who is joining us from Tipperary, Ireland, to talk about Imolk as well as the goddess Bridget. Kanani watched Discovery of Witches and WandaVision over the weekend and is going to tell us all about both. But first, checking in with our team how are things going? What have you magically got going on? I feel like every episode I'm like, I'm trying to buy a house. <laughs> yes. But I've been like stepping closer to that. So I've been uh, working a little magic uh, focused around getting into the right house now that we're like at the viewing of houses stage. Yeah. Um, feel like it's going pretty well. I've seen some houses. Nice. Um, I put an offer on a house. Yes, so. it's haunted. It's haunted. Courtney likes to tell me that all the houses are haunted because I was looking at a house near her that was a kind of out of price range, but also was pending by the time I looked at it. Cause those of you in Oregon will know that like houses are going like flying off, the, like flying off the fucking market, like crazy. Yes. And so, um, so every time I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to go look at this house or, Oh, I'm going to put an offer on this house. Courtney's like, it's haunted. She also <laughs> told me that she was going to go over and, uh, do a pretend exorcism at the house, uh, um, that in McMinnville so that no one would want yes. to buy it. So they lower the price so that she could be like, Oh, someone was murdered here. And so <laughs> there's some ghosts. I mean, you won't see it on the records because it was a long time ago and nobody knows, but I know because there's a ghost there. And so it's really bad. It's like a poltergeist situation and I've got to get it out, but I don't know if I can. And so that everyone would be like, ah, like go the other way. Well, I didn't go so far as to that, but I was the creepy girl who took a selfie video in front of the house that I then sent to you. And I was doing like a mock Blair Witch Project thing where I was like, ah, I'm so scared. Ah. I could not I know, watch she, that movie, by the way. No, because it, it gave you motion it, sickness. Yes. Uh, within yeah. the first, I want to say, I don't know if it was 10 or 15 minutes and I had to get up. And I like just ran to the bathroom because I'm like, I, I just, I can't remember who I even went with. Your boyfriend. And I just, no, I don't think so. 
Probably, I don't know. Um, <laughs> clearly, no one memorable. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I just remember I looked at him and I'm like, I gotta go. I can't watch this. And I like literally ran out and went to the bathroom thinking I was gonna puke. I didn't actually puke, but I I never went back in because it gave me motion sickness so badly. And I was bummed because I was like, I was so excited to watch that movie. But yeah, no, I could not. I couldn't stomach it. I saw it in the theater at Cinema 21. For those of you who are in Portland, know that that was a really badass place oh, to yeah, see Blair Witch totally. Project. And um, I was one of the people that originally bought into the it was real. and But then I shortly figured out, I'm like, I don't know about this. I think this is fake. And people are like, no, no. But there was a Discovery Channel show about it. And I said, yeah, but did you notice how like they didn't have any pictures of the people from childhood? Did, didn't that... I mean, we only see them in images from the movie. They're like, no, but why would they put that on the Discovery Channel if it wasn't real? (laughs) People are dumb. Ooh, did you see the fake documentary about uh, mermaids? No. Oh, my God, I heard all about it, though. I want to say it was on Discovery Channel. Now, I'm going to totally be honest. I... I knew before I watched it that that this was a documentary that people thought was real that had convinced people that it was real that but it wasn't real. So I knew that before I watched it. Even watching it, I'm going, "Really?" Oh. <laughs> had I not like known that that I had to keep bringing myself back to, "Okay, this is pretend." I totally would have been like, "What?" I mean, it was so well done. This is absolutely the the disinformation we need right now. There's a lot of disinformation we don't need, but this is disinformation we absolutely do. Bring on the fake mermaid documentary. Where was it? It was on Discovery? It was something like that. Yeah, it was like one of those legit science channels, which, you know, of course makes you think, okay, well, then this is is real. But it was, you know, kind of satirical. But yeah. people think about that on the History Channel, and then there's, uh-huh. like, ancient aliens Ancient aliens. Yes. I was just thinking about that. Is it new? Has it just come out? Oh, no. This was probably 10 years ago, 8 years oh ago. Oh, my God. Is it mermaid documentation, The body, Mermaids the Bodies Found? I think so. Mermaids the Body Found, 2011. Yeah, so it was about 10 years ago. Um yeah, it was yeah. originally on Animal Planet and Discovery Channel. Yep. Oh my God. Yep. Eight, you know, uh, it was, yeah, nine years ago. So, yes, exactly. 10 years ago, all I was doing was running public events for my old coven. So, I, I, I remember nothing of 10 years ago except for a bunch of chants. Yeah, you're like, what even happened? What even? I don't even Who know. Who even knows? Oh my God. I'm, I'm going to find this and watch this because this is exactly what I need right now. Oh, it was good. It was really yes. fun. Yes. Well, I had a really cool manifestation of a spell this week. So I think it was two weeks ago. I shared the uh, you know the 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 work for money with the lodestone. Do you guys remember that? Like using lodestone as a way to attract money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that. I put that in a, a jar with um with some of the tarot cards that I that I have that I talk about attracting money and things like that and burned green candle on it on the last new moon. Um, a couple of days later, I got a refund from work or reimbursement from work that I was supposed to get a couple months ago. And um, yes, and we were able to pay off my husband's car, which was awesome. And then he made me buy a new phone, which I'm a total 
spendthrift. Like I should have lived in the great depression. I like reuse everything. I buy nothing. And, uh, <laughs> he's like, you really need a new phone. Cause your sucks. And I'm like, it does. And I was like, kept dying in my hands. It's like, what if I have to call nine one one and it like dies? That's exactly when it'll happen. So I have a new phone now, which is weird, but it's also that's, great. Um, that's exciting. Yeah, it was exciting. So that was a, that was a really great money manifestation. <laughs> so tired, y'all. A man, great money manifestation. So the next thing I'm digging into is I am uh, cracking into Don Hunt's um, uh, Kitchen Witch's Guide to Recipes for Love and Romance. You know, we've got Valentine's Day coming it's so up. Good. And, it's yes, so good. Yeah, and like every single recipe in there is super simple to make and they're all like full of love. And I'm just reminding everybody that if you go to her website, which is kachinaaurora.com, and you use the code WITCHLIFE2021, you get 10% off. And so like something I don't think people realize is that Supporting our sponsors is a really great way to support us. So, you know, supporting a small business also helps, you know, helps them help us in the future. So definitely um, do that. Also, um, I'm going to be recording an interview with Dawn this week. Um, we're going to be talking about aphrodisiac and mad, that kind of magic and food. And we will be releasing that on Patreon. So definitely check all of that out, guys. Um, yeah. That sounds awesome. I want to, I'm excited to hear that interview. I have like so many things in her, in her shop that I've already like tagged and told my husband I'm buying, but I'm waiting <laughs> because I'm like, I don't want to buy it. Just have to pack it. So I'm yeah, like, waiting your new for my new, exactly my new kitchen. I'm like, I've got all of these things that I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have this and I'm gonna have this and I'm, gonna have this. I'm so excited. Oh man. She's got a risotto trio. Ooh, that sounds good. Yay. I love how our stuff is all gluten-free as well. My celiac self is all about Dawn. So, yeah. But uh, along those lines, we've got a couple of shout-outs to remind people about. Um, if you haven't checked out Arcane Botanica and you are a plant lover, um, definitely check them out. They are a brand-new witch-owned business specializing in interior plant decor. Um, Amanda, the proprietor, offers tailored interior plantscaping for your home or business, including um, individual plant sales and terrariums and custom gifts, lots of different price points. Um, she is based out of Northeast Massachusetts, but they ship and they work with clients to um, customize, you know, kid and pet safe plants for homes, which is a big deal for me because I have cats that eat everything. So, yeah. Um, so definitely check out uh, Arcane Botanica on Instagram or Facebook or just email her at Amanda at ArcaneBotanica.com. Also, um, there's an artist and astrologer you all should definitely have on your radar. This, uh, So check out the Instagram account Centaur Astrology. So the artist Taylor combines her love of art and divination with an astrological background and makes custom chart art with handwritten pages about your chart. So you can see your, what your nail chart or your business might look like as a tarot card and you can get a quality reading out of this. So that's some really awesome, unique that's way. That's really cool. Yeah. So especially to me, it sounds like if you're new to astrology or tarot, this is a really great way to find out more information about yourself or your business, but in a really beautiful and you know educational format. So speaking of tarot, uh, there is still, or there are still a few spaces left for my five-week series, uh, Tarot 101, which is hosted by Pathways St. Louis. So if you want to sign up for that, um, you can go to our show notes or to Pathways St. Louis to sign up. Um, they will be on Tuesday nights in February. However, 
all of them will be recorded. So if you can't make them, they'll be emailed to you so you can take them on your own time. And I believe Kanani wanted to tell about a new spill kit. Yes. So last week we released our love spell kits, which I was super, I don't know. It's funny because I always think like, oh, this is my favorite spell kit. And then (laughs) I come up with something else that like that we do that I'm like, oh, this might be my new favorite spell kit. Um, One of the things that I really loved about this and just so people know, because they do have chocolates in them, I did taste test to be sure that these are good chocolates. I would never, never not taste the chocolate and make sure that it was sufficient. I want to say your sacrifice is phenomenal. I mean, really, like I just... Admirable. I can't, I mean, I don't know how you sacrifice on that level. It's just... I could never... I mean, I couldn't, nope. It was, I, it was, it was not easy. I'm not going to lie. It was very, the, the not, I can't, I can't imagine. The not easy was, was, you know, not eating them all was pretty much the not easy. But, um, the, the love spell kits are awesome. They're super fun. Um, so far people have, you know, said some really nice things about them, which I really appreciate. And, uh, we even put in some Epsom salt. So they're actually could can be really great for like a bath ritual. Yeah. You don't have to use them for the bath, but they would make an amazing bath ritual. Yes. I think that the spell in there is, is designed as a bath ritual, but like you said, you don't have to use it that way. There's a lot. We also include some instructions of some modifications as the yogis would say to make this, you know, easier for you, whatever. But, um, you know, then then there's the chocolate, which you know Kanani has taste tested and approved, just like when my dad would take all my Milky Ways at Halloween because they all had razor blades in them. Exactly. Yeah. Safety Never, first. Safety first. But my Milky Ways was like, these are all poison and it would take them. And But then the peanut butter cups he always left behind, which is fine because those are my favorite, but my dad hates peanut butter. It's just kind of amazing how the stuff he hated was always safe, but the Milky Ways were always... <laughs> So anyway, um, Kanani, tell us about uh, Discovery of Witches in WandaVision. Should we be watching these? So uh, those of you who have Disney Plus or just the Disney Channel will have seen ads for WandaVision, which is a uh, new sitcom on Disney Plus, and it is about uh, the two characters, Vision and Scarlet Witch. And I guess in real life, her name is... uh, Wanda, I can't remember her her last name. Um, and essentially what it I had no idea what it was the premise was going to be about. But essentially it's a remake of Bewitched. Oh. But using those two char- two Marvel characters. I was going to say cuz I think I thought that Scarlet Witch was like DC Marvel. Don't tell my husband I got them confused. So I was, I wasn't so, I know. So it is a comic book character who's now like bewitched. Yes. So, so she is, she is essentially Tabitha, right? The Scarlet Witch is essentially Tabitha and Vision is, is the husband. And it was, so the first episode, I'm not going to give, well, so it's, it's in black and white first of all, which really sells that vibe. But one of the things that I thought was great, which is probably more than anything why I'm going to keep watching it, is the neighbor, you know, because there's always the, the, the crazy neighbor. neighbor. Yes. Yeah. Is uh, the mom from Bad Moms. 
The nice. really gnarly one. I can't remember her name Catherine right now. Hahn. Uh, I think that's it. Yes. I think that's it. Yeah. I love uh, Catherine yes, Hahn. I Catherine love Hahn. her. Love so her. She, she's the, um, she's the neighbor. And so she's got some really kind of, I mean, it's all of course G level humor, but it's like, yeah, but she's brilliant. Get it, right. She's awesome. Yeah. And she's super fun. And, um, so it's not a cartoon. It's not animated. No, it is not animated. Oh, okay. I have to check this out. You really should. It's really them trying to fit in, right, amongst normal, boring people. So there wasn't a whole, there wasn't really any, a whole lot of the whole using their superpower kind of stuff. So I'm kind of hoping as they get into it, more of that starts to happen kind of mm. when they're alone at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked it. I thought it was fun. And, and that's what it is. It's a spin on, it's, they're just kind of trying to recreate Bewitched. Um, like one of the things I think that's funny is there's always the joke about what does the husband do, right? All these husbands with their stay at home wives and then the husbands go off to work. It's like, well, what the hell do they do? And they never really talk about it. Right. He just goes to the office. And that was in the first episode. One of the things he kept asking the people at work was, what do we do? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was really funny because he's like, Right. But what do we do? What do like we do? Was, oh my God. I'm totally going to watch this was, as soon as we finish. It was, it was really cute. Like I've I, got a I'm, crock pot of lentil stew and a couch and, waiting for me. And, and you're like ready for it. And yep. So, ready for it. So fried. You know, well, they're, only, they're only like 25 minute episodes. So yes, that's also perfect. Exactly. I, need, I See, I need those things because I get trapped in these things that are our episodes because yeah. I often will be like, well, I just want to watch a little bit more, but then I get sucked the fuck in. I can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to watch a little bit here. Or if it's like been a long day and I want to watch something, I can't, like, I'm not going to jump into an hour episode. On that note, well, I don't even know if that's on that note or not. I'm just, again, are we with our segues? We're just... We're the worst. Yeah, we're the worst. Bad. Anyway, bad segue, bad segue. Kanani watched Discovery of Witches. Tell us about it. So speaking of lo- long one-hour episodes... <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I've mentioned this before. Um, I don't know. I am always the person that finds shows either well after they're like done and not even airing anymore, or they're like on their last season. Well, you just I, heard of Downton Abbey last week, didn't exactly, you? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh God, it's so good. I don't remember how much, like it, were there seven ga- seasons of Game of Thrones? Yeah. Well, I think I, I never came, got into Game of Thrones. I came into it at oh, the end I of season five. I loved it till the end and then the so, end broke my heart. Yeah. So that's, so that's usually when I come in on these, but so somehow last year I came across discovery of witches, which originally came out, I guess in 2018, late mm-hmm. 2018. Um, and then there was a big gap before they had the second season. Um, but now they're in their second season and they've had three episodes of the second season. And I am obsessed with the show. I love the show. I'm not quite sure why, it's about, well, for, yeah, I do. It's because they all have English accents and I pretty much love everything. <laughs> I'm being, if I'm being real, that's, that's why I love it. Um, and the guy I think who plays like the dude in it, I think is like super hot. So it's about essentially modern, the modern world. So it's, it's our time in London and it's the premise that among living amongst humans are races of vampires, demons, and witches. Mm. The vampires, demons, and witches 
know of themselves and can like um, sense their own kind amongst other people. Um, but but I, I think they can't necessarily, they don't always necessarily know that like someone is a demon, um, but like all witches can kind of sense other witches kind of thing. And they have kind of formed this treaty of yeah. not fighting amongst themselves so as to not expose themselves to humans. Mm. And um, then things start to happen and they're looking for this uh, book of life uh, that essentially now they're all kind of clamoring to find. And so some of these treaties are kind of going by the wayside and people are starting to it's just, I don't know how to explain it. There's a lot going on, which is usually not very good for me. Um, mm. But I love it. I love it. And so the second se- in the second season, because they're, they're after the two main characters, um, because of the strength of, of the powers, the two main characters are a witch and a vampire that have fallen in love. And, um, you know, forbidden love, that's always hot. So in the second season, they are hiding from the people who are looking for them and they go to the year 1590 in London. And so now it's really fun because in the second season, they're in a whole, they're in like the Renaissance time. Mm. They're in 1590. And what's fun is like, they'll name drop famous people and you know, that were in London and uh, you know, that later she learned about in history. And so, um, I don't know. I just love it. I think it's really fun. It's on AMC. I think people would really dig it. It's especially if you like that kind of, kind of, it's funny because I really, anytime you say the word vampire, I'm usually like, I'm out, I'm out. I can't do it. Twilight totally, totally burned me. I'm just like, no, I hate all things vampire. But um, I just, I, I love the story. It's really great. The actors in it are very, are very good. And, um, yeah, I would recommend it to anybody. It's apparently based on the all souls trilogy by Hmm. Deborah Harkness. And I guess the first book in the trilogy was called a discovery of witches. And so if anyone has read the all souls trilogy, it is actually a TV uh, version of the books. So but because yeah. it's on AMC, does that mean that it's true and it's like a documentary? Exactly. Okay. I am I am pretty sure that uh, they're actually vampires and witches. That's, mm. that's what I'm mm. thinking. Yeah. Great. Excellent. I'm always good for educational programming. Yes. Yes. When you need to know <laughs> exactly what it's like, that's that's what you need to know. Oh, so good. So... Anyway, uh, we want to give a huge thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Um, as I mentioned this week, we are releasing an exclusive interview with Don Hunt of Kachina Aurora Woo-hoo! talking, yes, all about food magic and awesome. aphrodisiacs. Tis the season, y'all. So for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to this and other witchism content. And higher levels get you access to our private Facebook page, Quarterly Special Events. Uh, We just released an Imolk ritual, and there is a recording of that. So you can join and um, download that. If you have not yet done your Imolk rites, you still have a few days. Um, As well as boxes of goodies, including your very own Screaming Goat. So if you join us at the Kanani Girlfriend, Boyfriend, and Friend level... I will pull a tarot card for you. And today I am pulling for Ruby. Ruby gets the six of cups. All right. 
The Six of Cups is a mixed bag. It means that some things that are being offered to you are really wonderful and some things that are offered to you are not so good for you. So this is a card that says to take a pause and be discerning. Not everything that comes your way, not every opportunity that comes your way is the path you need to take. So you really do need to take some time to check in with your gut to check in with your guides or even trusted friends to help you see things a little clearer. One of the challenges with the Six of Cups is being overwhelmed. So don't make any major decisions right away. Um, ask for guidance from others, your spirits, your higher self, and or really good friends. I have Kanani and Hillary, and I never like their advice, but it's always quite good. So wherever your friends are in your life, um, you know, lean onto them as well. So thank you for being a Kanani boyfriend, girlfriend, or NB friend. Um, other ways, you can support the show. If you can't do a monthly donation, you can buy us a coffee or buy That Witch Life merchandise on Etsy or consider becoming an episode sponsor. It's a great way to promote your business to thousands of witches. Also, support her sponsors. Another great way to support us. You can also purchase a shout out, let people know about your virtual event or just send love to your favorite witch. So find out more about all of these things on our website at thatwitchlife.com. And speaking of sponsors, I think we're ready to hear from them. Yay! You all know that we are all obsessed with herbs around here. All three of us lost our minds when we discovered Fox and Elder. Fox and Elder is a small farm just north of Nashville, Tennessee, run by Sarah Schuster, who is an herbalist, herb farmer, and plant witch. Their work not only offers a variety of herb-based products, but also offers education on homesteading and herb cultivation. Fox and Elder's products include teas and tinctures, including a line of tarot teas based on the major arcana. Their empress tea draws on a variety of floral notes, herbs, and peaches, which includes calendula, hawthorn leaves and flowers, lavender, plus other delicious herbs. I'm totally particular about my teas. I'm super picky. And so I'm super stoked that they offer custom tea blends working with clients to blend something wonderful and delicious just for you based on your needs and desires. Fox and Elder also offers a monthly zine called Full Moon Fill up, which offers tarot spreads, herbal profiles, and recipes. The Samhain issue will have a focus on ancestral work, a tarot spread for the full moon in Taurus, and an herbal profile on Skullcap. Fox and Elder also offers a podcast called Tending Seeds, which covers a variety of homesteading and herbalism topics available on all major platforms or directly on their website, so be sure to subscribe and add Tending Seeds to your listening rotation. Their episodes follow the seasons and do deep dives into gardening and how to find powerful magic and healing in different herbs you can find in your yard or just along the road. As a witch who does a lot of work with quote-unquote weeds, I was fascinated by episode 29's exploration of goldenrod. I know I will be listening as my husband and I finally start growing our own garden. To receive 15% off your first purchase of teas, tinctures, or a full moon zine subscription, go to foxandelder.com and enter code THATWITCHLIFE at checkout. Fox and Elder, meeting you where you are, offering a variety of ways to step onto the plant path. Thank you to Fox and Elder for being an episode sponsor. 
If you've listened to us at all, you know that all three of us are completely obsessed with shiny pretty things, especially me. Shiny pretty things include tattoos and piercings as well as jewelry. 2020 was a total drag, so 2021 is the perfect time to be the best, sparkliest version of yourself with some custom tattoo work, killer jewelry, or a new piercing. Adorn Body Art has unique jewelry designs from vendors all over the world, so we were super excited to partner with Adorn as an episode sponsor. Established in 2000, Adorn is a woman-owned tattoo piercing jewelry studio dedicated to offering the best service to their clients and local community with three thriving locations in Southeast Portland, Beaverton, and Vancouver, Washington. Adorn's selection is not only the largest in the Pacific Northwest, but they also carry the highest quality of ornate, ethically sourced natural adornments, which is a big deal for me. From amethyst to rutilated quartz to tiger's eye and citrine, they have jewelry options with stones for every chakra. And you can order online. The thing that separates Adorn from other studios is that they are focused on art and not attitude. Their mission is to help their clients feel like the truest version of themselves and achieve body autonomy. If you're looking to get pierced, Adorn can also assist with custom creating the piece of jewelry of your dreams to be as unique as you. So the possibilities are endless with ongoing education for each piercer who is also certified through the association of professional piercers and state-of-the-art sterilization and sanitation you are always safe and get the very best when you come to adorn adorn operates by appointment only so go to adornbodyart.com where you can also see a sneak peek of the gorgeous jewelry that they carry adorn is just amazing so make sure you check out their incredible jewelry selection or book an appointment today Thank you to Adorn Body Art for being an episode sponsor. Orla, welcome to the show. Uh, how are things going over in Ireland right now? With uh, you know, I heard you are you all still in lockdown? What's going on with your in the, with the pandemic in your part of the world? Yeah, so um, surprising no one pretty much. Um, after the government decided to let us all go home for Christmas, um, we we had a spate there for most of January where the numbers were through the roof. Now. Hmm. They're right. We have a population in Ireland of not quite hitting five million. So air through the roof compared to year through the roof, like we wouldn't even be a blip, I'd say, on the on the US <laughs> ones. But um we were looking at figures at like six or seven thousand new cases in a day. And we were mm-hmm. looking at deaths coming close to a hundred deaths a day, which in a which in a country like Ireland is is very, very serious, you know. Um the numbers are dropping slightly, but we're still in lockdown. Uh, we're still now I get to leave because I have to go to work but um, there's a lot of people who haven't left the house in a fair time now Mm. I think the population of Ireland is just slightly bigger than the population of the state of Oregon so and here we have like 20 deaths a day and that's a lot so I can imagine if here we were having 100 a day that would be really scary yeah yeah, it was yeah. it was very scary, and the hospitals are kind of saying, you know, there's there's rumors, and these are only rumors; it's not fact, but it's there's rumors of um, healthcare staff being pulled in if they're a close contact of someone, rather than you know being left at home because they just need the bodies. They've had too many people out with the virus, um, and then they have mm-hmm. so many people going into hospital because it's not even just the the ICU, which is the um, intensive care unit; um, it's even just the bodies in the beds. You know, like how many people you have versus how many beds you've got. And we weren't in a great state to start off with on that. That's some scary shit. So let's let's not go there, everybody around here. Let's follow our orders and let's not get to that space. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know, just just stay away from people. You know, I mean, this is stay home anyway. Right. Finally, my life motto is paying off. Like, just avoid others. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my bad. god. Yeah. As it turns out, I'm actually a pretty big introvert. Like, I gotta tell you, I don't miss having to be anywhere. I really don't. So anyway, let's talk about some fun stuff. <laughs> so anyway, we are, this is super fun. So Orla Minxie Costello is, um, currently describes herself as a pagan Catholic who works mostly with Bridget in any form she chooses to present herself within the Irish pantheon. But as we all know, the rest of the family invite themselves over from time to time. Orla runs a group on Facebook called Bridget's Forge, where Bridget in any of her guises is discussed. I love that group, by the way, so I highly recommend it. Orla writes a blog also called Bridget's Forge, dedicated to Bridget, daily practice, devotions, reviews, and anything else she fancies writing about. Orla is involved in women's circles in various ways and practices energy work for fun. By day, she masquerades as an engineer. Fucking awesome bio. (laughs) I know, right? That's amazing. I was reading that and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest person. (laughs) By day, I masquerade as a functioning adult. So that's, (laughs) that's my facade. By day, I I function. A lot of us doing that. I, I, I masquerade as, um, as a well-adjusted human being. And then the rest Do of the you? time. Do you? No, no, actually, I don't. <laughs> you're not doing a very good job. <laughs> I don't, actually, my masks suck. I'm not good at any of them. Oh my so God, like, what your do mask I pretend is to be? terrible. No, no. I was I'm, like, I was like, are you sure about that? I don't do all these, these things. <laughs> are like, you? Bring your authentic self to the room. I'm like, yeah, I do that. And it, I don't know. It gets really awkward. So. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk to Orla because she's much more interesting than any of us in this room. Indeed. Um, so Orla, you describe yourself as a pagan Catholic. Would you be willing to share with our listeners what that means for you? Sure. Um, okay, so there's a fair amount of Christians out there that would consider most Catholics more than halfway to pagan anyway. So, Oh, for, yes, like all my relatives of, in the South. All my yeah. relatives in the South, absolutely. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, there, there's, a, there's, a whole, there's a whole, like, you know, tribe of Christians out there that consider us pagan or the next door to it. Um, <clears throat> well, look, at, I, I grew up in Ireland, but I moved to England when I was 22 for work. Um, I suddenly discovered that the Catholicism that I'd kind of grow, grown up with was very different from this weird thing they were calling Catholicism over in um, England. And so mm. I started calling myself an Irish Catholic. Um, but then, you know, I started investigating more. And actually, you know, an awful lot of what we consider normal in Ireland for Catholicism um, is really just this really, really thin veneer of Catholicism over a very, very deep mm-hmm. bedrock of paganism. <laughs> You know, um, like I grew up with stories of um, the other crowds, the she. I grew up with stories of Bridget. I grew up with stories of Ku um, Cullen. I grew up with stories of the Red Branch Knights. And all of these like practices were just kind of like, yeah, but it was normal. You know, like, of course, they, you know, stood on stood on one leg and closed one eye and waggled about a bit and found out what the future was saying. And like, of course, people could tell the future way back when. Like, what's wrong with you? This is normal. And yes, of course, Bridget could talk to a fox and there's no bother there at all. Um, <laughs> of course, you dress up and chase away ghosts and demons at Halloween because that's when they can come and visit. And you yes. don't want them in the house. Right. <laughs> then I go over to England. You're like, funny. <laughs> Sounds familiar. 
But like I go over to England and then I suddenly discovered that like in my local church over there, they were arranging a festival of light for the kids on Halloween so they wouldn't get disturbed by pagan practices. And I was like, what pagan practices? Oh my and God. And then they explained. And I was just like, what? But that's normal. I mean, if you don't chase away the demons on Halloween, what else are you meant to do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the priest there was so, like, he was pretty young as well. So, and I think I was his first Irish person. His parish priest was actually an Irish man. So he was a bit more kind of, yeah, no, this is normal for her. I'll just leave her alone. But he was like really kind of um, earnest. And he was kind of like, but Orla, can you not see how these are pagan practices? I mean, you're divining with the Baron Brack. And I was like, all you're doing is finding out who's going to be married next year. Like, I mean, if mom doesn't keep the Baron Brack, it's not Halloween. <laughs> you know? And it was just such a, a, a massive mind shift for me that there was actually people out there that this wasn't normal for. I was a very insulated as a child, you know, we didn't get exposed to different cultures. But like the more I, the more I learned about it and the more I kind of started learning for myself and things, it really became obvious that, you know, what I was calling Irish Catholicism really was pagan Catholicism, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Mm. It's a really weird blend in Ireland. You know, we, um, we weren't converted forcibly. And so the, the Catholicism that we have is kind of like this syncretic blend of pagan and Catholicism. And in fact, the, the Irish church were considered heretics for kind of swathes of time in the, the early days of the Roman church because we just believed so many different things. And because we were gathering all those books that they were deeming heretical and weren't really, you know, suitable for the general populace and stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's how I ended up with Pagan Catholic. That's so fucking brilliant. I'm just sitting here just like soaking all of this up. And Same. Um, oh yeah, no, no, no. There's, there's all these weird little things that like just crop up every now and again. And you just, you don't think about it, do you know? I mean, even, mm. <clears throat> this will give you an example. My darling mommy, she is, well, I won't give you her age, but you know, <clears throat> approaching approaching the age where, you know, she's had the pension for a couple of years now anyway. And so 39 very, forever? Absolutely, yeah. Her her mother was twenty one and a bit until the day she died. <laughs> you know, even <laughs> so, our yeah. family is a bit, you know, malleable. <laughs> um, but um, mom, mom said to me a few years ago. So we were we were having some um, financial troubles myself and my husband. And mom said to me, you know, I was talking to you about one. Of, I was talking about you to one of my friends, and she said to me that if you could get some of the straw from the crib at Christmas and keep it in your purse for the year, it'll mean it'll never go empty. And I was like, mm. oh, this is great. And uh, so Julie, you know, went next time I was, I was um, going to Mass Christmas, robbed some of the straw, done it every year since. Haven't done it this year because I haven't actually been in a church. But um, it improved our finances greatly, you know. Oh, and wow. that's, that's not seen as magic. That's just seen as, you know, you're taking a bit of help from Jesus. He's giving you a hand. That's all you're doing. <laughs> and like this oh, is two man. years ago. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'm just, I'm just thankful to hear that these things are still, and I think that's, that's something that I often um, argue about with when I'm teaching and, and talking about practices and especially that every time St. Patrick's day comes around, there's, there's that fucking meme that's like, ah, they murdered all the pagans. I'm like, they didn't go anywhere guys. You know, <laughs> not in Ireland, they were, they're anyway. still there. not in Ireland. No, but that's, that's one of the things that a lot of people of Irish descent are like, I am re-embracing my pagan customs. I'm like, well, you'd find a lot of them in the church actually, you know? <laughs> and so, um, well, we've got an emote coming up 
And um, this is a holiday that is um, that is associated with uh, with Bridget, um, the goddess, the saint, and everything in between. And so, it'd be really wonderful to hear from you. You know, who is Bridget, and also how does Bridget shape your life? Um, who is Bridget is a bit of a it's a bit of a question there, Courtney. <laughs> we could I know. I, I like to just go in. I want to go in. <laughs> you know, right, just a so, really, really simple question right there. Very simple. Uh, yeah, no, we, we won't be here for hours talking about this whatsoever. Um, right, so there's there's two major divisions of Bridget. One is the, um, the Irish deity. <clears throat> well, actually, there's a few extra deities there, but we'll talk about them in a minute. From my own perspective, from an Irish perspective, there's two. There's the, there's the deity and there's the saint. Um, and... Usually around about this time of year is when you start seeing the articles about saying, oh, she was a deity first and the Christians robbed her. And then other people saying, well, no, there's no evidence of the deity and she was a saint. And then people were kind of, you know, whatchamacallit, reverse engineering her into a deity and all this sort of thing. To a certain extent, it doesn't really matter, you know. Mm. Um, well, in, in my opinion, right, this, this is all prefaced with in my opinion, just so I don't keep having to say it. But... You know, she's she's a powerful force in this world. Um, she has transcended the um, the Catholic pagan boundary <clears throat> um, more so than any other kind of spiritual entity on this island. Mm-hmm. Um, for a very long time, I mean, she is one of our three patron saints of the island. So we've got Patrick Breach and Cullum Kill. Breach being the Irish for Bridget. So, you know, even having a female saint as a patron saint is a, is a fair achievement given the, um, the patriarchal nature of the church. Um, mm-hmm. She set up, you know, a major foundation in Kildare. Um, she's, she's, she is honoured all over the country, you know. Um, there's stories all over the country. But as it turns out, there was, there was actually about 14 different St. Bridget's across the island. We just kind of all mentally lumped them into one right now. Mm. Um, so a lot of the customs that we have and a lot of the customs that I'll be talking about come from the the Christian bit but we've still got this pagan bit as well and you know in the pagan bit she is the daughter of the Dagda um, who is a father figure in the the Irish pantheon now he's not the father of all because you get that quite a lot and you know it, it kind of annoys him a bit. He he's not everyone's dad, you know. He he did save a few women to shag along the way, but um, Bridget's <laughs> mother is one of those women. Um, we don't know which one. Pretty much anyone who works with her has their own personal favourite option there, you know. Um, the Morrigan, Bowen, Danu even appears sometimes. Any 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 female presenting personage that has been even mentioned in the same passage as the Dagda has been promoted as Bridget's mother at some point or another. Oh, Again, yes. <clears throat> she's told me to mind my, my, my own business. It's her business who her mother is. So I've kind of said that's grand. I'll leave you alone there. So <laughs> there's some people you don't want to piss off too much, you know? Um, yes. And so she's, she is, she's a figure of power and she's very, very good at kind of transcending thresholds and, you know, getting through boundaries and things. And if the boundary, you know, if she doesn't see it as an important boundary, then she kind of tends to ignore it. And I get the feeling that she kind of ignores the boundary between pagan and Christian because she's like, why is this is just a man-made fabricated boundary and it's not important to me. So screw you. She's like, I got shit to do and I'm not going to sit behind this fucking piece of red tape. All right. Basically. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And like, don't get me wrong, like she's, she's been linked to Brigantia. Um, the, the Wiccans have um, a Bridget 
deity who's different to the Irish deity. Um, she, um, she, there, there is a potential link to Maman Brigitte in voodoo, but I don't know anything about that um, that line of thinking. So I'm not going to comment overly much on it. Um, and like you know, there's there's different kind of links and everything you know way outside of Ireland that that. You know, what I'd love to think it's us exporting her because sure, why wouldn't we? She's wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. There's bound to be other times and places where she's cropped up, and the the name Bridget has kind of been attached to a person who's similar kind of thing. You know that kind of way. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah she's, absolutely. She's, she's anything. She's anything really. Like she's she, she doesn't like being nailed down. You know. <laughs> I mean, that certainly has been my experience with her. I think this, uh, the, so, um, but you know, for you, I would love to hear more about like how Bridget is a, is, is a guide in your life. I mean, she's knocked my life around scramble up. I've talked about that on the podcast a bunch of times, but I'd really love to hear Mm. from you, Orla, is like how, how she shows up. Uh, usually with the slap upside the head, Courtney. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm not alone. <laughs> like, um, so look, like I said, when, when we were growing up, you know, around this time of year, you'd be making the Bridget's Crosses in school and bringing them home to mom, um, which didn't work as well for me because both my parents were teachers in the primary school I went to and there was only four teachers in the school. So they kind of tended to get it at the nearest break, you know, but mm. um, I'm sure they were very proud of them all the same. Um told the told the stories about Bridget um so you know she was she was there but it was all via the saint you know yes. in primary school um but she was always there and you know it, it was just kind of part of the background consciousness mm-hmm. there she was um and then you know moving away to England I started getting um, way more interested in Irish stuff <clears throat> and Irish history and Irish spirituality and the Irish gods and all the rest of it. And then when I came back, I just, I kind of realized that I'd been doing work for her and like these kind of messages or what I thought were my own ideas of what was a good idea to do um, were, were actually her just kind of giving me a, a not so subtle hint. Um, mm. And then once I admitted that she was there, she started getting very prominent um so you know I I'm not great on the kind of the formal altar stuff um mm. I've got a I've got a statue and I've got a candle lighting in front of it at the minute to make sure that the internet keeps going during this chat um because I'm at home today <laughs> and uh, it's not fantastic <laughs> but um like you know I I don't have a, a formal altar as such I just tend to light the candles when what I want but what I do get is that the the more I kind of keep doing for her the more she's kind of saying, right, you've done that. Now you need to move on and do this. You need to move on and do this. You need to move on and do this. Um, like when, so we moved, we moved back to Ireland about a year after we got married, 18 months after we got married. And it was the start of kind of, well, let's see, we're, we're seven years home now. And we're, we're just kind of, that seven years has been a bit of a crucible in, in many different ways. Um, I mentioned financial troubles earlier on. There's There's been fertility issues. There's been work issues. There's been personal issues. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything that hasn't cropped up in the last seven years that I couldn't, mm. like, I can't think of anything else she could have thrown at me, you yes. know? <laughs> and then she's there kind of going, but you can sort this out. Like, this will make you a better person. Just get on with it, right? We've work to do. And, it, you know, you, you know, you hear people talking about being on a ramble. 
it kind of feels like mm -hmm. a seven-year stretch of having been on the anvil. And I'm kind of mm -hmm. cautiously like poking a toe out to the side right now to kind of, you know, ease off it and hope she doesn't kind of notice and just get, get a breather for a while. But yeah. I'm not sure if I'll be let away with it. But I mean, in that time, I've got to know some wonderful people. I've made some really deep friends and everything. Um, as an engineer, I'm way more aware of what I'm doing as an engineer. And like she has given me a very, very clear job to do in getting more women into engineering. And she says mm. she doesn't give a shit how I do it, just get more in, which is fine and everything. But we still live in the modern world where you have to be nice to people and you can't just kidnap them and brainwash them because, you know, there's laws against that sort of thing. <laughs> you know what? Um, if you move to the States, you might have some more options. They <laughs> call it Scientology. <laughs> I'm not sure Bridget would sit in well with Scientology, though, would she? You know what? I don't, I, I don't know, but I'll tell you what, Orla, they're the Scientology secret headquarters is like a mile from my house, way oh, out in the country. Yeah, we, I didn't even know that, but I was like, why are all these weird fuckers always at the bar? And then everybody was like a Scientology escapee. And then someone told me, oh, no, their main compound is not in Los Angeles. It's just down the road from you guys. I'm like... Oh, well, that explains all the fucking weirdos that are always like, hey, can we talk about witchcraft sometime? Because I like have these visions, but I'm not ready to talk about it. And then they run away. I'm like, okay. And you're trying to get me to move closer to you, bitch. I didn't That's even know. Amazing. I need backup. Hillary, I need backup. God damn it. Amazing. <laughs> well, if you'd stop making sure that all the houses I look at are haunted. All the houses then... you look at are haunted. Orla, this is a big issue. Hillary is looking for a new house and she keeps sending these listings like, what do you think? But they're all an hour away. And I'm like, it's haunted. Yeah. Every time I'll be like, I'm going to look at this house. I'm really excited. She's like, she's not like, oh, I'm happy for you. She just goes, it's haunted. <laughs> Except that house Asshole. down the street from me, you know, um, that house, but, but you had to go over there to do an exorcism. So I, I did a fake exorcism out in front of the house so that everybody would be scared and nobody would want to buy it. And then they dropped the price by a hundred grand and then Hillary could buy it. So <laughs> anyway, I mean, a ghost isn't too bad to have around the place. I mean, think of all the people that keep no. away for you. I'm that saying <laughs> I'll embrace that shit. Like leave out a bit of butter and cream every now and again. You should be grand. Yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I've had I've looked with ghosts before. This isn't my first rodeo. <laughs> oh no, Orla just walked into the middle of one of our, you know, fucking disasters. Meltdowns. You know, that's, that's what's so funny about um I'm so glad you said that about the anvil and bridge. And I'm also really glad you said that about the engineering. There's a couple of things that I've experienced in my path with Bridget that um are so like really right on with what you're saying. And when I first, um, I, okay, this is actually oral. Get ready. You're going to laugh. I was in Phoenix, Arizona last year and I was, you know, talking to somebody about uh, Bridget and this woman said, uh, I only work with dark goddesses. And I went, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you're like, isn't that funny? Bridgester is pure light and innocence and purity and grace. Like, you know, she'd never dream of going to the dark side. What's wrong with Orla, you? We need your internet to stay on for this interview. Okay. Can you not? Can you just not? Because I, I, I'll often use this. I say, you know what? I don't, I've just not experienced her that way. I've experienced her as, as, you know, a lot of love and a lot of power, but also, like you said, like a slap upside the head. And it's, hmm. you know, she, 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 I thought she destroyed my life when I dedicated it to her. She goes, you're dedicated to me now. Okay. Bye-bye boyfriend. He's out the door, like within 24 hours. And I'm like, no, but then she's like, I got someone for you. And she brought my husband along. I'm like, okay. But, um, 
you know, and you and I have talked yeah. privately about some similar similarities we've had in our own journeys. And I'm just kind of like, girl, I know you're taking me on, on the right direction, but fuck all if I hate this road. Like, cannot. Yeah. You know, and, um, but I think it's so cool what you mentioned that she has asked you to start working with engineering because, you know, she is the goddess of Smith working the anvil. And, you know, I see images of her like tapping on it. And what people don't realize is like the Smith working changed, changed human civilization. I mean, it honestly brought us to the industrial revolution. I mean, we, we, we don't have like in our, our, you know, modern day equivalent, really any invention that has done for human development, what Smith working did for people, you know, technology that came out of China ended up in Europe. And, you know, so it's saying Bridget is, is a goddess of, I think instead of saying Smith working, it's better to say she's a goddess of technology that changes the way that we live, which makes perfect sense why she is working through you in engineering. Well, the other thing is like, you know, at the time when, so if you go back to the, the iron age, um, or even, yes. you know, the, the fourth, fifth, sixth centuries, like if you look at the Breton laws, you know, the, the Smiths were hugely important. And a lot of what they did was seen as kind of magical because to somebody who doesn't know what you're doing, I mean, you're basically heating up a lump of rock and you're coming out with something useful, you know, and mm. like if you think about it, you know, you're, you're applying fire and elbow grease, fair enough, to a lump of rock and it turns from this black, miserable thing to something you can plow a field with something you can fight off an attacker with something you can um use to sew something like you know it's it's just such an enabling act mm. and you know to, to our ancestors you know a couple of thousand years ago this had to seem like magic like there's there's no we we vastly underestimate the power of that mm-hmm Mm-hmm. It's huge. It really is. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the trickle down from um, Smith, Smith working, you know, I, I recently wrote something that was basically, you know, think of an area in your life that engineering doesn't affect. Just mm. pick, pick anything. Zero areas. And I will, I will tell you where engineering comes into it. Like the, the modern yeah. world does not survive without engineering. Making coffee in the morning, Kanani? Like every, everything. That's everything life. Today. How did you get your That's life giving is what that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How did you get your coffee grounds? Where did that? That was engineering. You know, every it, it's, it's all it's, magic to me. <laughs> Kanani's like, oh, it just. I don't really ask the, the questions the air. of how. I just have the need. Just give me the coffee. Oh my give god, me the caffeine. That's. Everything up to that point, I, I just, I just assume it's magic, and I just, I just need it. That's all that. That's all that happens. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's probably what our ancestors thought about Smith work in general, you know. Um, <laughs> and like the prices, the honor prices on Smiths were fairly hefty, and blacksmiths were the highest of all. Tin smiths, tin smiths, and silversmiths were a bit lower. Um, but you know, it, these are like it, Smiths were core to the community as well. So you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're going to end up at some sort of Smith at some point, even a thousand years ago, 1500 years ago, 2000 years ago, because if you're a bard and you've got a problem, you know, with your tin whistle or whatever, where do you go? Um, if you're a weaver and you've got a problem with <clears throat> your um, weaving equipment, where do you go for help? You know, any, anything. And that's why like Smiths were um, in various, I, I won't get too historical here, right? Cause you know, 
I'll steer, I'll steer clear of the, the major politics, but like Smiths have always been a target in kind of most societies because it's mm. where the community comes together as well. Everybody ends up at the Smith at some point. Farmers, shopkeepers, you name it, they'll all need something at some point from the Smith. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. a real core in the center of community. I could talk for this for a while. You might want to tell me to shut up at some point. Like, uh, No, actually, that's not going to happen. We'll just keep going. But um, I think it would be really great if we could, um, you know, start thinking about Imolk and that I was wondering if you could give us some background on Imolk, its history, you know, within the next six hours, um, and then also how it, how it's celebrated today. Well, we don't have very much information on how it was celebrated back in the Iron Age or whatever else. So there's a bit of kind of surmising here. Um, mm. February in Ireland, so Imolk, 1st of February is the nominal date. You know, it kind of varies 29th of January, 2nd of February, depending on whether you do astrological or calendar dates or, you know, the nearest Saturday or whatever you're picking yourself, basically. Um, she's she's fairly flexible about these things, shall we say. Um, but like the 1st of February would be the Saints' Day, um, which interestingly, just as a side note, ties into Catholicism again. The 2nd of February is Candlemas, which is a celebration for Mother Mary. And mm-hmm. the reason for that is that um, when the Holy Family were fleeing from Egypt, uh, St. Bridget, who was born uh, 500 odd years later than the Holy Family fleeing from Egypt, um, was there with them to help because she was there as the midwife and she was there to help them escape and stuff. And people would, <clears throat> the, one of the stories in Lady Wilde's um, collection goes that people were always following Mary and the Holy Family about and they couldn't get anything done, they couldn't escape. So Bridget agreed to um, to distract them um, as long as she would go before Mary after that. And that's why her mm. feast day is the day before Mary's Candlemas. So oh, interesting. Oh, nice. I love it. <clears throat> yeah. I love it. That's um, so Bridget, by the way. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I... <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) But like, you know, I suppose the the, the knowledge of what we've got, right, knowing knowing Ireland in February, it's miserable, right? We're Mm -hmm. we're coming out of we're coming out of winter. Um, Officially on this island, um, spring starts on the 1st of February. So Imbolc is the start of spring. It's the time when we see kind of crocuses. You you know, sometimes you get daffodils coming up. Well, they're they're more normally March. But if you get a mild winter, they'll be up in February. Um, You're getting green shoots. You know, the, the grass in the garden is looking a bit messy because it hasn't been cut in three or four months at this point. Um, you know, there, there's signs of life coming back to the world. And so mm-hmm. an awful lot of what we're looking at around Imbolc is linked to that. And so what you what we think has what we think it was was a private familial type of celebration. Because while we've got the first um, bits of green coming through, you've also had, you know, a good four or five months of solid rain. So travel isn't mm-hmm. comfortable. And um, I, I keep saying this to people, you know, you know, those um, for anyone who's been to Ireland, they, they sell these T-shirts in the airports with the four seasons of Ireland on them. And it, it's, uh, it's basically yeah. the, the quantity of rain changes like that. They, they're really not lying. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's similar out here in Oregon. We do get a we did get a very we did get a very uh, uh, dry spell, very dry dry spell for like eight weeks in the summertime. But no, we are, we we have uh, the four probably three and a half seasons of rain as well. So yeah, we feel that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. And like uh, people have been laughing at me online in some of the groups because I was like, oh my God, it snowed. And we had like minus four and minus five today. It took me nearly two hours to get to work. And of course, you know, there's people over um, who deal with snow on a regular basis and are kind of like, that's Real not snow. snow. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a sprinkle. That's like an icing cover, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, we, we're not used to extremes of weather, but we are used to rain. And before cars, before tarmac, before concrete, you know, when all you had was um, dirt paths, traveling around the place in February would have been very difficult, very, very difficult. Um, cold, mm-hmm. wet, sticky, muddy, all that sort of thing. So we imagine, <clears throat> and it is pretty much an imagination, and it's kind of backed up by a lack of evidence more than an evidence thing. And Courtney, correct me if I'm going astray here, but like what we imagine is that it was a home-based celebration because of that fact, because it was just too difficult to travel, you know. Um, all of our other major ones, even the start of November is actually easier to travel, even though, you know, the first mm-hmm. of November is the start of winter in Ireland, but like that's actually an easier time to travel because you haven't had the three months of solid rain just soaking everything. You know, winter is just mm-hmm. cold and miserable in this country and that's it. So out of that, an awful lot of the practices we have around Dimbok are to do with the saint and to do with St. Bridget. Um, pretty much anyone um, I know and even say my, my grandmother and she would have talked about this. Um, you give the house a good clean before the 1st mm-hmm. of February. Um, partly again, it's that notion of spring cleaning. It's, you know, you've been locked up all winter. Um, and I mean, you know, not really locked up, but you've been staying inside a lot more than you normally would. And the house needs a good clean, you know, kick everyone out of the house for the day and just give the place a scrub and air out the windows and, you know, clean out all the corners that you've been ignoring because, you know, you can't move people out of the way enough and all that sort of thing. Just give the house a good clean. The other side of that is that the belief is that on the eve of St. Bridget, and there is debate about whether this is 31st January, the 1st of February, um, Bridget passes over the land and she visits every house in Ireland. So mm. the idea would be that if she's coming to visit, you want the place to look nice. Yes. You know, you want the place to be welcoming and all the rest of it. Um, and that's where a lot of the, the traditions about the place, they vary from, from region to region in the country. But a lot of it ties around that whole, she's coming across the country, she's visiting the houses, she can see she'll be made welcome. And there's a blessing attached to that visit. So an awful lot of the other stuff I'm going to talk about is essentially linked back to that. You know, she's coming for a visit, make the place look nice, and sure, she'll give us a bit of a helping hand for the year to come. Mm. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of where it's about. Now, I mean, one of the most common traditions is the making of the Bridget's Cross. And it has a fairly kind of, the the most popular one is fairly um, easily recognisable. Um, people people have a panic every year about what they're going to make their Bridget's Cross out of because in Ireland it tends to be the, the rushes or the willow switches or grasses like that. Um, the, the reason we use them is because they're handy. They're, they're everywhere, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I have one person in the Bridget's Four group the other day was saying like, you know, so you can access rivers like it's not just under six feet of snow. And I'm like, this is Ireland. If we got six feet of snow, we'd all die. What's wrong with you? But like, you know, she's, she's over in like Vancouver, I think it was or something where they actually do have six feet of snow. And I was like, well, pick something else that you can get your hands on. It doesn't have to be rushes. Um, I've made them out of wool, pipe cleaners, paper, cloth, you know, anything. Um, ideally, what you want is something that's kind of renewable. You know, like mm-hmm. the, you're not adding to the plastic in the world and you're not adding to environmental burdens and all the rest of it. But I mean, essentially, if it can bend in half, then you can make a bridge's cross out of it. 
That's all you're doing with it. I learned how to make a Bridget Cross on an airplane. There was an Irish woman on an airplane, and we were talking about Bridget Crosses, and I didn't know how to make one, and she took up the two seat belts on, yep. the, airplane, on the plane, and she showed me the weaving pattern using the seat belts on an airplane. That's hilarious. <laughs> if you can bend the damn thing in two, you can make a Bridget's Cross out of it. I wonder if that works for my husband. <laughs> It's starting to be fun trying, I'd say. Right? I, I'm, I might have an interesting phone call for you later, Courtney, so, so stay, stay tuned. I can so, see phone calls coming to the guards in a couple of months, kind of going, yeah, so we found this body, and it's linked back to this podcast, and um, could you just go and have a chat with her and make sure, you know? <laughs> and you're like, I don't know those people in life. I have no idea who they are. I have no connection whatsoever. Ha <laughs> Yeah. So, um, you know, we, the, some of the things that you suggested are, um, are sound like they're pretty universal. Um, or are there other things that people who perhaps don't live in Ireland might be able to do to uh, celebrate Imolk and Bridget? I, I get this question all the time where they're like, how do I invite Bridget into my house? And my response is, well, how the fuck do you keep her out? But, yeah, no, she's, she's not great at saying out. Like, you know, I mean, if she wants to get in, she's going to get in. <laughs> yeah, but what are some of your thoughts about that? Um, well, food is always good, you know, mm-hmm. um, she's, she's an Irish deity. I, they, you, you offer them food, they turn up definitely, you know, <laughs> um, a glass of wine, whiskey, you know, there's, there's very little that I've, I've seen her refuse when she fancies it. Um, so what I would say is that like, you know, this is kind of like, um, we'll be like myself and my husband will be cooking a nice meal over next weekend. Um, mm-hmm. a bit fancier than our usual fare just to mark the occasion kind of thing and we'll, we'll probably put a bit aside for herself on that um, and it's kind of um, laying just kind of saying you know look we're, you're, you're a special visitor you know you're, the, the traditions of hospitality in Ireland are, are still fairly strong you know mm-hmm. so you've got the, the gradations of visitor you know you've got the kid from next door that's been coming in and out since they were crawling in nappies they kind of get the same as the kids in the house you know, complete with slap up the head when they deserve it. But like, you know, as you get kind of older and more kind of important visitors, like, you know, cousins from America, they get the, they get the full spread. They get the new sheets. They get the tablecloth. They get the, the fancy, the fancy biscuits now. Not, not, not just your Jacob's fig rolls. Like they'll get the USA biscuits. The oh. really good ones. <laughs> um, America actually getting something nice. I mean, after the last four years, it's like you let them sleep in the garage might be, might be fair, but you know. Oh, no, so, no, 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 sure. They're, they're, they're the ones that left. Like you have to look after the poor things. Oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. They'll get the really, really fancy stuff. Um, but you know, when you're, when you're inviting a deity into the house, it's that level of stuff that you're looking at. You put a real effort in. It doesn't have to be expensive because not everyone can afford, you know, to go out and buy caviar and lobster and stuff. And I mean, if we brought either of those things into this house, it'd be a pure waste because neither of us really eat them. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, you give your best. That's, that's the principle behind it. You, you give your best that you can. If that is a glass of milk and it's the last glass of milk in the house, but it's important for you to give that milk to Bridget, then she would accept that as a, a welcome gift, you know? Mm. Um, if you can afford a bit more and you can say, look, we've got this really fancy wine, we'll put a glass aside, do that. Mm-hmm. That kind mm-hmm. of thing will open you up. Um, light the nail candle, you know? Um, like we, all right, so the, the Irish tradition of lighting candles is, is more general linked to prayer, but in particular for Bridget, because of the fire connection, lighting a candle... 
and kind of saying, you know, hey, I'm here. Nice mm-hmm. invitation in for her. Um, things like making the Lyaba Bridge and the Bridge Oak. So Lyaba Bridge is the Irish for Bridget's Bed. Mm. And bridge oak, well, really it means young Bridget, but it's um it's basically a, a doll for Bridget. Mm-hmm. And um if you if you look up on YouTube, there's um there's an absolutely fabulous um old Irish clip from a woman in the Iron Islands who's showing what they used to dress up. Like they used to put their own good dress onto this doll that they made out of straw or grass or whatever they had because that was the the best that they could dress. And the idea is that you put the Bree joke in the bed that you make beside the fire so that you're giving Bridget a bed beside the fire in the in the place of honour, essentially, mm. you know. And you'd, you, um, in the old days, you'd smore the ashes around the place. And if you see marks in the ashes, it means she's come in and had a bit of a sleep and a rest, and you're blessed for the year, essentially. Now, a lot of us don't have open fires anymore, and even if we did, the thought of putting something right next to it like that might terrify us for fear of fire going more randomly. But like, you can still make the you can still make the breed joke. You can still make the the doll and make a little bed for it and put it up beside a radiator or a window or wherever's handy. You know, we yes. the customs need to change with the modern world as well. Yes. Um, so that's that's quite um, nice to do when you when you can. The other thing is you, you can have someone in the house represent Bridget. This happened in town towns all over Ireland and in country places all over Ireland where they would have a young girl who represent represented Bridget, and in some places she would have a woven shield to give to each family as she went to the door for protection. Um, in other places she'd be collecting pennies and things like that to. Um, to, to give to feed the, the poor and needy and all the rest of it. But mm-hmm. in other places, it was literally to have someone come to the house so that the inhabitants of the house could say, welcome, Bridget, come in. Mm. You know, and there was mm. those rituals around that. And so even if you have someone in the house that, that wants to do that, it can be really nice. So they, they dress up and, and play Bridget, essentially, go out, knock on the door and basically say, hey, it's Bridget, come in. Can I come in? And whoever's inside says, yeah, you're welcome, Bridget, come in. And you can put as much formality or ritual around that as you want, or you can just play a game with the kids and do it that way. Do you know, there's, there's all sorts of ways that you can invite her in. The, the problem isn't usually getting her in, to be fair, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is fair. So um, we do have a listener question and would love to get your insight on this. Um, Hey, ladies, I want to start off with saying how much I love y'all's podcast. I've been listening and binging on the episodes. I've always been magical and recently this year decided to add the label. I'm from the Appalachian foothills and live in Michigan. I found my husband here and we are very happy in our marriage, but I have a huge issue that I can't even concentrate at work. So I figured I'd ask my witchy sisters for some help. His ex-girlfriend is obsessed and has never been in a part of our picture and she will not stop harassing. I've threatened her with the police for harassment, but fuck off isn't working. It bothers me so bad because I'm a genuine person, but you guys know when you keep pushing someone, they get a snap. I've been thinking and sleeping and doing something to her magically for a few months now, but as of today, I know for a fact I'm ready. I've heard y'all mention the jar of molasses and the nails, but is there something y'all can do to help a witchy sister out? I sure would appreciate it. Thank y'all for everything you do. I hope that all, I hope that all the good info y'all put out puts, blesses you in unimaginable ways. I love this woman so much. I probably am related to her far off. 
<laughs> probably <laughs> oh, actually. Like, I'm sitting here. I'm like, she sounds like my That's cousin Mandy. True. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I thought that this would be a really great question to first get Orla to weigh in on because so much of Appalachian folk magic is influenced by Irish practices. And so I would love to hear your thoughts. And I have some of my thoughts of my own. And then I'm sure that uh, Hillary and Kanani are already thinking of ways to fuck this bitch up. <laughs> well, okay. My my first thought, honestly, when when I heard that question was, yeah, don't ask Bridget here because she's better at getting over boundaries than than setting them up. You know, she's <laughs> she's fantastic at getting over boundaries. Um, but one of the things that um I do regularly at Imbolc in particular, but the other four sessions as well, is to to walk what I call the bounds and grounds. And it's it's linked to something I used to see my granddad do on a re- regular basis, and it is literally to walk the 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 bounds of your your home or your garden or wherever you can um and to claim it as yours now mm. i do this physically because um i mix like water and salt and some blood if i'm bleeding um and i usually have some incense or a candle or something for the fire and smoke part of it and i'll dribble out the the water as i go along i'll make sure the candle stays lit and i'll just walk the whole area reinforcing that this is mine and these are the people who are allowed in here and it's usually like my husband because we live on we live just the two of us and these are the people who live here and anyone else needs to just stay out unless we actually invite them in and mm. i i have like different things i say going around but it's just to reinforce that kind of thing you know this is us this is our relationship and like the rest of you can fuck off basically you know um so i, I guess what, what i'm saying is that like my first instinct would be to to build up the boundaries um energetically as as well as physically and to you know because there's there's a real power in saying you know here's the line and don't fucking cross it Mm. but you know to build that up and to reinforce it continually kind of would help the situation like that um i i you know you could always also make a um a witch bottle i i liked that that idea um you can put nails in that one as well um and you know there's there's various people that you could ask for help with that so you know the morrigan is really good with boundaries um if you, if it's the irish pantheon you're you're dealing with um if um but like i said yeah d- don't get bridges involved in building boundaries cuz by god she'll find a way through them like a couple of suggestions that I, I love that, and I know I'm actually going to be doing that for Imolk this year, um, and my husband would totally be down on that. I'm um, I would advise this lady to not get molasses or honey involved because that stuff is so sticky, and so it tends to keep things in place. Um, there are times when, like, if you're actually like if you had to work with this person, um, that molasses or honey might help to kind of sweeten the situation, but you really just want her gone. So there's a couple things you can do. One, I would. Um, if you're comfortable using some Bible magic, listener, um, this is particularly good for people from Appalachia to use because it's just so strong there. Um, pray Isaiah 47 because that will reveal what um, reveal usually, and it often is about women. Will reveal people for who they are, and so if she's in trouble elsewhere, you know that might like encourage something else to like either distract her or her to get caught up in something else um, and, and stay away from you. What I, I used something different um, when I was actually trying to get rid of somebody who was harassing a member of my family. And um, I got an effigy of the woman. So like print out her picture from Facebook and I just coated it in lemon juice and vinegar. You know, things that like, imagine if you had a cut and that got in there, how awful that would feel. And then I took her picture, stuck it in the lemon, and then I went and threw it in the river. So lemons are okay. Make, take the sticker off because they're biodegradable, but just make sure that there's no like plastic still attached to it. Um, 
and then just like that's sending sending her away. Um, yeah, so those are those are some uh, those are a couple things that I've done in the past that have worked for me with dealing with uh, nasty bitches who won't go home. Kunani, Hillary, what have you all done to deal with nasty bitches who won't go home? I've also I've also used lemon before, but I've yes. also uh, like put uh, done the same thing with the effigy, but put it in the freezer. I, I don't like the freezer one for something like this because although it keeps them under ice, as soon as that thing thaws, she's back. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that's. I mean, the freezer spells. Well, I mean, usually, yeah. like, usually, what I do with freezer spells is like I will, I will keep it in the freezer, and then when I'm finished with, like, if I take it out, I like throw it away you somewhere it away. Far, far from my house. So it's yeah. like essentially you're freezing them out so that you create that boundary, right? So you're like, no way, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. I don't want to hear from you. I don't. I don't want my name in your mouth. And then when it's so I leave it there. And once I feel like there's been enough distance, I get rid of it. Not like in my trash, not, but like out of the, out, away, a different, like take it to a different neighborhood, you know, put it in a cross state lines, like drive over. Yeah, there. I mean like, yeah. Or like, you know, drive to like, Minnesota, so, throw it across the state lines. Right. So like you want, so that it's like, at least like, yeah, like a river could work or like, again, even just like way across town, somewhere that's like not near you so that, yeah. uh, but I mean, the reason I like the freezer spell is because I feel like it works really fast. Like when I've done freezer spells and there's people that have been like harassing or they're, you know, causing problems or especially for gossip, if they're like talking a lot of shit, it just, st- it shuts them up. And so like, I like that as an option, but you're right. Like the reality is, is the thing you have to be careful about is like you either need to be willing to keep that shit in the freezer forever or if you can't and you don't want to or you want to get rid of it or that it feels like it's the time to get rid of it. Yeah, get rid of it the hell away from your house, you know? Mm-hmm. So is this us telling the this is why you don't fuck with Kanani story? <laughs> so, oh my God, do you have oh one? Oh gosh. So I, I, I've, I've been, I'm a little less... I'm I'm more apt, much more apt now to do magic involving another person. Um, this was about probably this was year many years ago, and I had someone who had severely, severely wronged me, and I didn't do any magic per se with against that person, but what I did instead was kind of uh, I, I did a lot of uh, boundary work. I did a lot of uh, stuff in my house to uh, keep them away. Uh, at one time, they were someone that I thought was a dear, dear friend. Um, I did stuff in my house. I did um, I did some mirror magic so that any kind of negativity they would throw at me would be coming back at them. I did um, just different, a lot of visualization. I knew they were allergic to something. I made sure my house was full of it. Um, I did a lot of that kind of stuff and through the grapevine, I found out they suddenly lost their job. They got another job. They suddenly lost that job in a matter of about six months and weren't able to find a job for a while. And when they were, it was two hours away and they ended up having to move two hours away. So I remember all of this. That was good, good shit. It wasn't that I was necessarily inflicting I wasn't necessarily doing magic with with them. You were, but you were. But I was doing stuff arm. that protected me, <laughs> and and in fact, you know, because of the of their behavior and the consequences for their behavior, 
they faced consequences because they still were trying to F with me. So I had put up so many guards and so many protections that they were suffering consequences because they were still kind of fixated on me. So um, for people who kind of, there are some ways to get around it for people who are like, well, I don't want to do magic involving someone else. You can protect the shit out of yourself and set up these boundaries and they will still have the consequences if they are not just going away quietly. If they just went away quietly, they wouldn't face these consequences. But if they're yeah, still so kind of trying to come at you or or involve you in that negativity, then, then you know, the universe will take care of the rest and make sure that they're not just going to go on their merry way. So we had an uploading issue and the last couple of minutes with Orla were cut off. We are working to fix this so this won't be an issue in the future. But Orla did say you can keep in touch with her through her Facebook group and also her blog. And she is teaching classes through the Irish Pagan School. We have links to all of these in our show notes, so check them out here. And again, we apologize to Orla and to our listeners for losing these last few minutes with our awesome guest. So for the rest of y'all, thank you all so much for listening. Um, as a reminder, if you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and spread the word. Um, leave us a rating or review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also buy us a coffee. Check out our merch on our Etsy store. And for bonus content, you can become a supporter on Patreon. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcript, or to ask us a question to answer on a future episode, go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit. Talk to you next week. Happy Imolk, everybody! Happy Emil. So mode it be. The amount of times yeah. I've been asked on my English and I've said no, I'm Irish. What's the difference? <laughs> I would just feck off now. <laughs> oh. oh no. Oh my god. Well that wouldn't happen here in Oregon because every white person thinks they're from Ireland out here. I oh don't my know god, that I, totally true. And I, I've warned my Irish friends, like, if you come to Oregon, you're going to hear me go, oh, I'm Irish, I'm Irish, so am I! And I'm like, okay. I mean, every, like, literally, literally every person. Like, you'll meet someone <laughs> and you'll be like, you know, oh, are you from around here? And you're, they're like, oh yeah, I grew up here, like, seven generations of my family are from here, but I'm Irish. And you're like, <laughs> oh...